0: So we need to get down to a layer um, below the job title, sometimes describing actually what do we need them to do and to what level, Um, whether we're describing a job or a role or whether we're assessing an individual on their suitability for a role if it's in a recruitment situation or who do we task with this piece of work we've got to do. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we
1: win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. It's been said that every company is a technology company. In fact, in this digital era, you would be hard-pressed to name an industry that does not leverage technology in some way. As the world becomes more connected and more online, the demand for skills to keep up with this evolution continues to increase, and the skills gap widens. Even in the face of tens of thousands of layoffs in the tech sector, companies are having a difficult time hiring for tech-related jobs. As new technologies emerge, that problem will only be exacerbated. AI and robotics have taken over the news cycle, thanks to things like chat GPT, and there's a fear of job elimination. The answer from a lot of pundits and a lot of employers is usually something like, we aren't eliminating jobs, we're creating new ones. We will upskill our workforce. That begs the question, what are the skills needed to thrive in the information age? How will we determine the competency of our employees? How will we shift to skills-based hiring when we don't even agree on what to call some of the roles? Take the role of someone who writes software. Are they a software engineer, a programmer, a software developer, a developer, or just a dev? Dig deeper and ask what skills are needed to be a successful software engineer. Today's guest has dedicated the last 13 years or more of his career to helping answer these questions. Matthew Burroughs is the president of Skills TX and a member of the SFIA or SOFIA Council. Both organizations are focused on the skills needed
0: in the information age. Welcome to Status Go, Matthew. Thanks very much, Jeff. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much for the introduction. Before we
1: jump into our, our topic for today, I wonder if you might share a little bit about your background with our listeners, uh, your career journey. What, what brings you to your focus today on skills for the information age?
0: Yeah, good question. Um, it's an interesting route for everybody, isn't it? Everybody's got a slightly different path. I guess my major sort of first introduction to computing of any type technology was really through my love of music. So as a kid, I was you know in choirs and played instruments and played in rock bands and all sorts of things. So uh, a real mix and actually, I ended up using quite a lot of computers for sequencing and and recording and all of that sort of thing as well. So it was always an interest of mine, that the the technology and how it supports that. Um, And and I guess in the world of work, when I first started work, it was the early days of computers, right? Not many people had some experience. So although my first job wasn't directly a computer-related role, it was in building services, um, estimating, that suddenly became very technology dependent. We needed computers. So it's always been a theme that's run alongside everything that I've done. And I went through the sort of project program portfolio management route. I was doing a lot of project management. Um, I was on the authoring team for the PMI portfolio and program management standards at one point as well. I then spent a lot more time focusing on the people and process side of things. So service management, IT service management. I was at one point the president of the Institute of Service Management um, and on the board of the IT Service Management Forum in the UK and the Ethics Board more recently globally. So um, really thinking about not so much the technology, but actually what do we do with it? Why do we do it? And who is it that does that? And and I guess my sort of last 20 years is very much focused on that skills and competencies section because yeah. no matter how clever we are with the technology, we actually are still in the people business. Yeah, you know, we talk about chat GPT, we talk about all these AI and automation and everything, but but actually you're still completely dependent on people um, to yeah. you know gather the requirements. Design the solutions, implement them, support them—all of these things are really people-dependent.
1: I, I I love that background, and I'm always I'm always struck by how many people that are in uh, technology-related fields also have some art uh, mm. in their background, be it music, be it be it painting, be it poetry, uh, writing—just that creative. Uh, part of our brains, I think helps us in both worlds. Right. I think it Uh, does.
0: And and it's good therapy as well. You know, sometimes when we've been battling away with technology projects, we need a bit of a release and, um, you get your hobbies and you get, you know, no matter how seriously you take them, but, um, yeah, you know, music, I find great therapy.
1: Yes. There's, there's nothing better after a, after a frustrating uh, day at work to, uh, to crank up the Rolling Stones "Sympathy for the Devil" on about ten. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All
1: right. Well, let's let's talk about the problem. Um, I, I, I talked a little bit about it in the in the intro, but what what problem did you see? Did others see that created uh, the birth of Sophia? And then we'll get into Sophia itself.
0: Yeah, I think um, the original birth of Sophia really dates back to the sort of 80s and 90s, actually. It wasn't known as Sophia then, but it's, it was a similar journey to some of these service management frameworks as well, like ITIL, for example. You know, people do stuff and they start getting a little bit more mature at it. They maybe share what they've done in that space and they get together and talk about it, and sometimes then they produce something. And that's, that's exactly how ITIL came about in the, in the service management world. And that's actually how Sophia happened. People realized that actually we sort of needed to know what skills people had. And we needed to be a bit clearer about what skills they needed to do the things that we needed them to do. And so they, they created a framework that started standardizing the way we describe the activities that we do. Because really, that's one of the key things about Sophia. It's actually activity-based. It's not purely about what you know. It's about actually what do you do? What are you being asked to do? Because uh, each of our skills on a, on a day-to-day basis, we might be practicing them at different levels at different times of the day. Um, we may have skills that aren't part of our job description, that are actually just part of um, a project we happen to be working on. Last month, or a, a task we were doing yesterday, or, or something even outside of work sometimes. So, I guess the problem we're trying to solve is to really be a bit clever about how we manage the people and skills side of things. And that's particularly important, as you mentioned in your introduction, that there, there are skill shortages. You know, a lot of companies are struggling to find people with the skills that they need. And sometimes that's because they're not very good at describing what they need. Um, And and even job descriptions are not enough because you can have two people with the same job that actually do different things. So we need to get down to a layer um, below the job title, sometimes describing actually what do we need them to do and to what level. Um, Whether we're describing a job or a role or whether we're assessing an individual on their suitability for a role if it's in a recruitment situation, or who do we task with this piece of work we've got to do? So yeah. the, yeah. the in, in that situation where there's skill shortages, of course, you can use a framework like Sophia to describe what you need and, and, and better attract the people with the right skills to do the job. And that in turn helps you um, prevent them from leaving. You don't want to lose the good ones. So the people you've got at the moment, and uh, if you you look at why people leave organisations, the biggest reason has been the same reason for a good 10 years plus. It's actually a perceived lack of development opportunities. And if they can't see their future with you in your organisation, they're going to start looking outside your organisation and the good ones are going to be the ones that get more opportunities. So you're going to lose Mm -hmm. the good ones. So that's one of the problems we're trying to solve. But yeah. so you know when, you, when you've got layoffs, you even if in that most horrible situation of having to let some people go, you still need to make intelligent, objective decisions. And if you know what skills people have got and therefore which skills are gonna be walking out the door, you can make better decisions for your organization, but you can also help those people to get their next role, whether it's another role in your organization somewhere else or as part of an outplacement type activity, helping them to get their role elsewhere by helping to identify the skills they have and effectively have a better resume or CV. So for, for our listeners,
1: um, I, I met Matthew because we were on the same LinkedIn Live event. We were, we were both uh, viewers of that uh, LinkedIn Live event. Uh, and Matthew made uh, a comment or two in the chat that everybody can see. Uh, in uh, in his description of his role, had SFIA. I'm kind of a curious kind of guy, and so I I needed to go look to see what that was, and uh, learned that it uh, it stands for Skills Framework for the Information Age, uh, and it struck a chord with me because one of the one of the things that that I'm involved in is uh, the concept of skills-based hiring, and we're going to get to that uh, in a couple of minutes. But that's what what led to our our conversation today, because I think Sophia, as it as it's called, has applications in a lot of different places in an organization. Yes, in the technology department of an organization, but across uh, an organization, because we're all in that information age. So. Uh, Matthew, tell us a little bit about Sophia. How's it, how's it structured? How's it organized? How's it used? That kind of thing.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, so Sophia, because it got created by lots of people from different in- industries working together, you know, the same sort of thing. It's, you know, not-for-profit type activity. People are volunteering their time and working together. And that continues with Sophia. There's the organization that own it is called the Sophia Foundation. Um, It is a not-for-profit organization. There are uh, a number of different people on the board and the council. Um, You'll you'll find that Sophia is actually um, used in nearly 200 countries around the world. It's actually got very wide coverage, but because of that not-for-profit nature of the Sophia Foundation, and the fact that actually you can just go to the Sophia Foundation website and download the framework itself, you can view it all online, So people can use it without actually paying any money at all. So that means that there's not a big marketing budget there to tell people about Sophia. So if you haven't happened to come across it, you don't know about it. If you don't know it's there, you don't know what it can do for you and how it can help, and you're not going to use it. And and we find this in a lot of organizations. They end up trying to make up their own skills taxonomy or skills framework, yeah. or and 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 some of sometimes they might use their generic HR tool, which might go out and get a list of eighty thousand different things that they call skills, and and they get in this situation of almost analysis paralysis. They've got too much detail, yeah. and they they can't see the wood for the trees, as the expression goes, uh, and yeah. and um, really Sophia just standardizes that language so that that's the simple way of thinking about Sophia is that it's a common language for describing skills and competencies it is focused on the digital IT cyber security software engineering covers project management business analysis even some relationship management type skills there's 121 skills in the current version Sophia 8 and we have a seven level structure so each of those 121 skills are described at one or more of the seven levels in the framework. Not all mm-hmm. skills are described at all levels because that isn't the reality of what we do. You know, a, a level one right. skill might be an entry level skill where you're following a, a, a predefined script or work instruction, you know, very much a supervised mm-hmm. um, task. Well, if you're doing strategic architecture or enterprise architecture, that doesn't describe that level one. So you'll find, lo and behold, the framework doesn't describe enterprise architecture at level one. It only describes it at some yeah. of the higher levels where it's actually performed in the world of work. So we we have yeah. those, what we call professional skills, but there's also another part of Sophia, which we call the the generic levels of responsibility attributes or characteristics. And this is sometimes referred to by people as soft skills um, yeah. or... Yeah you know, generic business skills. And it covers things like autonomy, influence, complexity, knowledge, and business skills. And if you look in there, you'll find a lot of behavioral factors. And Mm -hmm. how do people influence each other? You know, is your influence just with your peers in your immediate team? Or is it with other teams in the organization? Or is it with customers? Or is it at the industry level where you're directing industry? So there's For each of those five characteristics, they're described at each of the seven levels. So it will cover things like communication, teamwork, all sorts of different aspects that you might call behavioural or or soft skills, but are essential. That we're not just about technology skills. You know, we can have the best enterprise architecture skills in the world. But actually, if our communication skills are no good, we're not going to be able to get that architecture across to the people that yeah. know about it. Yeah. So it's always yeah. a combination yeah. of these professional skills plus these behavioral and, and responsibility attributes.
1: One of the things that jumped out at me when I was reading those those seven responsibilities, the, the attributes mm-hmm. that you were just discussing, uh, it reminded me back. I don't know, a zillion years ago um, when I was uh, seeking my first CIO job, chief information officer job. uh, And I had a resume and I had someone look at my resume and uh, her initial reaction was, your resume screams project manager. It does not say executive. Hmm. But some of those words that are in those levels um, uh, initiate, influence, set strategy inspire mobilize you put those words into your resume or your cv yeah. and all of a sudden you're sounding at that level of responsibility that's right
0: the, that's the point you know the, the whole thing about common language right it, let's take another example you know you, you want me to meet you somewhere you're not going to use some description of where you want me to meet you that only makes sense to you like oh we're going to meet in the cafe that i took my wife to 3 weeks ago it's like i don't know which cafe you Yeah yeah where is that <laughs> so actually you're not going to say that to me you're going to say actually here's the city and you're going to use the accepted name of the city uh, the the naming convention for the street the building name that everybody knows it as you're going to give me an address and i'll be able to put that into my satellite navigation system and because my sat nav system knows where i am now uh, and i've told it where i want to go next to meet up with you jeff it's going to give me a number of different routes that i can go depending on my preference am i walking and am i going by car am i going by train whatever it might be it, and mm-hmm. do you know what it's exactly the same when we look at our own journeys from our skills and competencies point of view you know, if you if you can't identify where you are now every route you plot is going to be wrong. And that's yeah, the reality yeah. of what a lot of organizations do. They, they don't bother to find out about their people and what skills they have. So they end up sending them on the wrong training courses. They How many times have you heard someone come back from a training course saying, that was a waste of my time. I already knew all of that oh, before. Yeah, yeah, or actually yeah. it was too high a level and I could have done with a more basic course first of all. If you use yeah. Sophia you would make that less likely because you'd be saying, you know, yes, you've got project management at level four, you need it at level five. That means you should go on the practitioner course rather than the foundation course. You know, so so yeah. you can use it for very practical things like training and development tasks, but you can also use it for all sorts of other things, coaching, mentoring. You know, if you need some mentoring, find somebody who's already got that skill at the right level uh, for, as yeah. your mentor. You know, if you if you're going to a conference, find a conference event that's actually targeted at helping people develop the skill that's in your target list in yeah. your development yes. plan. But all of those yes. things require the first basic, which is where are you starting from? Where are you now? Yeah. So actually, using Sophia to assess your current skills and produce a Sophia-based skill profile is often the starting point for everyone. You know express in that common language, what skills and competencies I have now. Then, of Mm -hmm. course, if you're doing it for your organization, if you get everybody in the IT department or wider than IT, because a lot of the skills we're talking about are outside IT now, you suddenly can put all those individual skill profiles together and you've got a skill inventory for your organization. You can then start answering the second question. Once you've answered what skills do we have, the next question is what skills do we need? So it's right, really right. simply simple conceptually, and, and maybe the skills you need might be first of all your jobs and your roles, and you might turn your role profiles and job descriptions into, into Sophia based ones so they're in the same language. Mm-hmm. But equally, it could be what skills do I need for a sprint starting next Tuesday, or for a project right. starting next month, or for that new service we're planning on launching next next year. Yeah.
1: So talk us through this uh, this assessment. Process how how a company starts and 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 I, I believe I'm accurate in saying uh, uh, at Skills TX you you have created a SaaS based tool yep. that goes along with this. So talk us through what does this look like? How does a company start working with Sophia? And how
0: how do how does those assessment work? Well, when I first started using Sophia 20 years ago, there weren't any tools to help you. Um, And to an extent, you could get away with doing some of this stuff in a spreadsheet, because actually change wasn't so constant as it is now. You you could write a job description and you could be fairly certain that that job description would still be the same in five years time. You you didn't have such rapid change. That's definitely not the case these days and hasn't been for a number of years. So actually, if you, it's not just about answering that question once, what skills do we have? You, you do need to do that first time, but then you need a really easy mechanism for keeping that skill profile up to date whenever your skills change. So you complete a training course, you want to go and update your skill profile to say, actually, I've now got some knowledge in a different skill at a different level. Or you complete a project, and maybe that's enough to turn your skill, your knowledge into a skill a proficient skill and you might want to update your profile or you've done something so many times that you've developed a full blown professional competency you've you've maxed out on the on the potential development of that skill and you want to start focusing on the next skill so it, the reality is you can't really do this in an excel spreadsheet anymore so so actually we ended up creating a tool to help our customers to first of all, do that assessment, but then to keep it up to date. And our customers actually said to us, you know that tool that you used for building our role profiles and doing the assessments of the people? Could we carry on using that? Because we see that we need to sort of keep it up to date and, and actually continue using that data in our ongoing decision making. Um, so that's where Skills TX came out. It really was from that training and that consulting work that we were doing customers. What would help them do it? Um, So yeah, that's what the tool is. It's a SaaS-based platform that you can do everything right from the beginning of assessment through to manager review and approval, assessor assessment, endorsed assessments, um, build the role profiles and job descriptions and other requirements, um, keep all of those up to date very easily, and then analyze the data Mm -hmm. and use it for better decision making, whether that decision making is what training do we do, uh, do we need to do some recruitment? Have we got an internal candidate already that is a good match to that vacancy? Or do we need to go outside? Um, yeah. What about managing our suppliers and making sure they're providing the right skills at the right levels that we oh, need? that's interesting. In yeah. All of yeah. those things and more. Um, yeah. And the work the work that we do, I'm based in the UK, but but I work internationally and, and I've got different teams in different geographies. So we do a lot all over the place. Um, but there's a lot of constants, a lot of, um, you know, most organizations, hand on heart, they couldn't say yeah. what skills they really have. They might have a list of technologies, but a technology, guess what, technology is not a skill. You know, if if you've got, yeah. if you say to me, I've got Oracle skills, well, that doesn't really tell me a lot. It tells me about the technology you use, but you haven't right. told me whether you're a database administrator of Oracle databases or whether you're a database designer or if you're a project manager that happens to implement Oracle solutions. Yes, I I actually need to know which skills you have and that technology can be mapped to those skills so we can join up that chaos that people have of a list of technologies by mapping them to Sophia. Yeah.
1: So how does Sophia uh, take into account call it, call it emerging technologies. So, Mm. so um, we met on a digital transformation discussion, right? So companies are, have this vision for what they want to be uh, in the future and they're digitally transforming. Um, How does Sophia look into the future for what skills are going to be needed there?
0: Yeah, so the the first thing to say is we're always reviewing it. We release a new version roughly every three years, a new major version of Sophia. And it's actually all of the people that use Sophia all around the world. So some of them will be in organizations just working in IT or HR or wherever. Some of them will be consultants, trainers, you know, universities, whatever it might be. But there's a really big community and Anybody can contribute to ideas for changes to Sophia. So we we on version eight. But I'm part of the global design authority board for Sophia. We're already looking at what are we going to do for version nine, even though it's 18 months or so away before uh, we're going to likely publish it. But that's about what's changed and what's changing. You know, if if you go back five years ago, you wouldn't have been talking quite so much about data science and artificial right. intelligence. Right. Um, we had some of those things in there then 10 years ago we probably didn't you know so the skills do change and we try and keep it up to date what we don't do is make stuff up Um, it's actually a reflection of what we're really seeing in the real world in terms of what's changing and 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 how things are described and how people do things so um, I mean I I do work with lots of different organizations organizations large and small I've got small organizations with five or six people in their IT department who are using it to help with the career development and the tasking of people there. Equally, I'm doing things at country level where countries are starting to say, okay, where are our strengths and where are our weaknesses at a country level? Which skills do we need to invest in building because we want to be the global leader in those particular skills? How does that impact what we do in our education system to prepare that workforce of the future. Um, so, so there's, there's loads of stuff going on and some of it's very short term and immediate. What do I need today? And some of it's what do I need to support the vision for 2030 or 2035? Yeah. So
1: this, this concept of, of skills-based hiring, you and I've talked Mm. briefly about that and it's, it's what, uh, piqued my curiosity to look into Sophia. Mm. How would, um, Uh, An organization or let's just say a community, uh, a tech community like like here in central Indiana, how would we use Sophia to help transition from uh, pedigree hiring based on our CV and our resume and where we went to school to a skills based hiring model?
0: It's actually much easier than most people fear it is, um, because the, the advantage is we've got a framework that's been there for 20 years and is regularly updated and maintained. So the Sophia Foundation, that community are doing it for you. So you haven't going to make it up. The other thing is lots of people and organizations around the world have done this before. So there's best practice, there's training, there's support that's available. So the first thing to say is don't be scared of it. But um, sometimes in technology worlds, we we all can be a bit guilty of focusing on the technology because it's in our comfort zone. And yeah, sometimes yeah. the people and how they feel about what they do is a little bit too touchy-feely for us. And, and we don't always naturally gravitate towards that. The real answer and the shock message is you cannot afford to ignore it. So you do have to do something about the people and skills. So practically, how do you start how you do it? So answer the what skills do we have? So if you can start getting people to do that one-off self-assessment of their current skills using Sophia, it's incredibly easy. Some people, if, if they're relatively new to this world, they'll do it in 10 to 15 minutes. If they're a 10- or 20-year veteran, guess what? They're going to have more skills. So it's going to take right, them a right, little right. bit longer, but it shouldn't take anybody longer than an hour to do a Sophia-based self-assessment, and they can, they can do that online really, really easily. Um, so that will get people expressing their skills using that language. So that's the first yeah. half of it. The second part is start expressing the requirements you have using that language. So when you write a job description, look at Sophia and say, actually, what are the top three or four skills that anybody that's gonna be asked to do this role is gonna need? Uh, Let's use Sophia to describe those. So, okay, this service desk manager role is going to need the incident management skill. Do we just need it at level five where they're supervising other people? Or actually, is it quite a small service desk? And sometimes we need them to operate that same skill at level two where they pick up the phone and log and categorize the skill. So use it to describe the role accurately in terms of what does anybody doing that role need to do. So if they need to, at some points. Practice incident management level two, three, four, and five, put all of those levels in the role. What other skills are they going to need? Customer service support. They're going to need the, those ability to communicate with customers. You know, if they've got a, you know, they might have a stakeholder relationship. Management might be one of their skills, but start describing the role using Sophia. So you're getting a, a much clearer picture And then that's essential for skills-based hiring. And why do we need to do skills-based hiring is an interesting point. If we don't select people based on what they do and their knowledge, skills, competencies, what other criteria are we going to use? A lot of the time it becomes slightly biased criteria. Do we know them? Did they go to the same School or club, as me, you know, uh, who yep. who do who do we have in common in terms of connections? Those are, are often biased and, and and not very helpful tasks, and right. and they're they're definitely not as good as saying actually has somebody got experience in doing what we need them to do, which skills have right. they got? So you can be much more objective. Okay. You can be objective in comparing people if you've got a, if you've got the luxury of having a hundred people apply for your role you can get all 100 people to do a Sophia self-assessment as the first stage of the recruitment process. You can then, even without knowing their name, where they're from, their sex, their gender, their ethnicity, all of those things that sometimes people are accused of of bias, without knowing any of those things, purely looking at their skills, we can say this person's a 89% match to this role and this other person's a 50% match to the role. Maybe oh, we've best. drawn our threshold at 75% and anybody over 75% we're going to put through to the next round, which might be, a, yeah. I know, a telephone interview where you talk about that it, yeah. their experience yeah. and effectively validate their skills. Um, and then you recompare them with that, that job description, that role profile again, and say, right, okay, everybody who's still above the threshold, I'm going to put through to interview. And you can actually yeah. use Sophia to help you frame interview questions. Because if you know yeah. that you need, project management at level five, I can say to you, I can read from the Sophia description. Can you give me an example where you have, and then read the description from Sophia? I know that yeah. I'm asking yeah. something that's relevant to the skills that are needed in that role. And then my my role might be BS detector, even if I'm not a specialist in <laughs> that area. I can listen to the reply and say, does this sound like textbook theory? Or actually, am I getting information that experience. demonstrates they've yeah. done it before they've actually got the experience yeah so that's yeah. really quite easy to do and, and any organization can start adopting Sophia in a couple of weeks
1: I, I I love that I uh hopefully we've got a bunch of listeners out there that are ready to go take the self-assessment that that would mm. be that would be awesome uh we're we're about out of time here Matthew and I I want to um ask you a a final question. We always love to end here on Status Go with uh, a a call to action, uh, right? Status Go, we're we're all about action. So what are one or two things our listeners should go do tomorrow because they listen to us today?
0: Yeah, really straightforward. I'm going to categorize them two different ways, right? The first thing is if I'm thinking about myself as a technology professional, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. so what you do is you go to the skillstx.com website, you will find a link to be able to do your own self-assessment free. You can oh. do a free Sophia based self-assessment. As I say, it will take you, you know, up to 45 minutes, maybe an hour tops. Do that, and then you've got your baseline. That's your Sophia-based profile. So our, an hour investment of your time, you've got your, your started. You've got your Sophia-based profile. You can then compare it to role profiles, industry role profiles. You know, If you're a cybersecurity specialist, all the NIST nice roles are in the system. You can compare it to industry roles and say, which skills should I be looking at? So start yeah. by doing that. The other, the other answer, the other call to action would be if you're thinking about this from your organization perspective, we have, again, a free assessment called a Digital Skills Management Maturity Assessment. It takes about 10 to 15 minutes to do. You click on the link, you, you fill in the form, it sends you a link, you answer the questions, 10 to 15 minutes later you finished. It will send you a report that says, this is where your organization is in terms of being how good they are at managing skills and competencies. Here are the reasons why you might want to be better. Here are the, the things you should think about. Here are your options. Here's how to go about it. And that report will give you everything you need to have that internal conversation, put together a business case, think about how to do it. And then you can reach out to someone like me or one of my colleagues to say, you know, how do how do we do it? You know, it's, you've got it in the report. But if you decide to do it yourself, everything in the report is there to allow, enable you to do it yourself. If you need a bit of help, then come and talk to us and we can help put something together.
1: Yep. That, that, that's excellent. I, I myself, I, I, I'm intrigued by it. I'm going I'm to take the self-assessment mm-hmm. uh, myself uh, just to have the experience. And as I mentioned, the nonprofit that I work with here in, the, in this area uh, I'm gonna highly recommend that we start leveraging this as we talk about yeah. skills based hiring. Yeah. matthew, i I gotta thank you so much uh, not only for carving out your time uh, today, but uh, for our listeners, Matthew and I just met last Tuesday. so within <laughs> with, within ten days, uh, we have uh, we have we have met virtually, had a conversation and now we've recorded this podcast so, I, I want to thank you for jumping so quickly into this as well. I really appreciate it.
0: No, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. It's uh, it's nice to tell people about Sophia that might not have heard about it because actually they can get some good value. So my pleasure. Absolutely. Lovely to talk to you.
1: To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, uh, you can visit intervision.com to go specifically to uh, status go, you can visit intervision.com/status-go. The show notes for this episode will provide links to uh, the Sophia website as well as to the Skills TX website where you can find those, uh, those free assessments that Matthew described. This is Jeff Tun for Matthew Burroughs. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.